0: The first thing the preacher has to do is, is take a step back and think, okay, so what are the various things that are warring against their souls and warring against their passion? And, you know, so in, in my book, I try, to, I try to identify a handful of these things. And so, for instance, like, are, are people struggling with, like, post-COVID feelings of just, like, loss and grief and sadness? That needs to be addressed because it, it's not a small thing. Are people wrestling with, with real doubt? Because Christians never talk about that. Are people wrestling with the, the reality of, of i am so inundated like, like we said a few moments ago by trivial things I'm, I'm i'm immersed in in garbage all week and media opinions all week and, and so I, I come to church formed and really excited about those kinds of things but like god doesn't really seem as exciting as the latest celebrity slap in the face or, or whatever it is you know what i mean like and so we have to be able to like at least At the very beginning, step back and try to diagnose what's at play, what's taking away from our people's passion.
1: Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 225. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and the voice that you just heard is that of our guest for this week, Dr. Uche Anazor. Uh, Uche is a theologian who teaches courses in systematic and historical theology at Talbot School of Theology in Biola. His most recent book, which is published by Crossway, is entitled Overcoming Apathy, Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. And in this conversation, we speak about Two distinct categories of apathy that we as preachers need to contend against. Firstly, the apathy of our own congregations. How can we awake our hearers out of their dullness and indifference with the truth and power of God's Word? And then the second and the more insidious form of apathy. That we must overcome is actually a lot more personal. What about us? Uh, What about the preachers ourselves? You know, we're the ones who um, handle the holy things with such regularity. The familiarity could cause a dullness and we're prone towards burning out and our own forms of apathy and dullness. So what could be done for us to stir up that godly virtue of zeal when we find ourselves in these seasons of dullness or apathy? So it's a great interview talking with a very thoughtful man about a very important topic. But before I play that interview, two quick dates for your calendar. Uh, One of them is kind of far away. It's the Boise, Idaho, Expositors Collective training event. It's October 14th and 15th. Registration has just gone live on our website, expositorscollective.com. You can register early for discounted rates. So again, October 14th and 15th, Boise, Idaho. And here's another date that's coming up sooner than that. That's the Calvary Chapel CGN Pastors and Leaders International Conference. And that's June 26th to the 29th in Costa Mesa, California. A lot of previous guests on this show are either main session speakers or workshop leaders, including, but not limited to, Ray Ortland, Tim Chaddick, Dominic Dunn, Nick Cady. Amy or Ewing and and more. Also, I <laughs> I'm leading a workshop on Wednesday afternoon about sermon preparation and delivery. But what I'm actually most excited about is that Citizens is going to be leading worship at the conference. So that's that's one more reason why you should go to conference.cobbychapel.com to register for the upcoming Calvary Chapel CGN International Conference. Um, I look forward to seeing you there either at my workshop or at any of the other uh, great training and encouragement uh, events that are going to be taking place there. Okay, I'm going to finally get out of your way. And here's my interview with Dr. Uche Anazor on overcoming apathy. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm thrilled to be speaking to Dr. Uje Anazor And uh, Ujje, uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Hey, so I'm just going to ask the first question and we can get to know you a little bit through this. But um, so Uche, you are a professor, you're a teacher, but you also are a, an overseer, an elder at your own church. I know that you're a Bible teacher and preacher as well as a academic. Um, when was the first time you ever taught the Bible in public?
0: In public, yeah. Um, yeah, I think my first ever message was, uh, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ as a as a college student. It's a parachurch ministry. And uh, I, I when I graduated from college, I, I joined the staff of that ministry. And I think my first ever talk, at least the one that I can remember, was a talk on how do you discern God's will. Um, and I Tried to find key verses in the Bible to try to help sort of navigate that, and so what I ended up doing, rather than finding key verses, was I just went to desi- DesiringGod.org and Look for a John Piper message on what does Piper say about how to discern God's will, and I kind of built a message around that.
1: It probably in- involves being satisfied in Him, <laughs> desiring <laughs> a lot of joy. Him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I how, how did it go? Do you remember how it went? Yeah. So
0: it was more encouraging than I thought it was. I thought it would be in terms of, um, feedback. Like it, it, it it was a message that, you know, I, it it was when I was still trying to get a sense of like, what, what kind of speaker am I going to be? Am I going to be one of these sort of like off the charts, passionate, you know, kinds of speakers, or am I going to be more of a, you know, let me teach you and talk Mm -hmm. to you a conversational type speaker. And I, you know, my first message was more in that conversational mode. And, and, and I, I heard good feedback about that, you know, that, that it was, it was clear and helpful and those kinds of things. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it was my best talk or even my, my most biblical talk, but feedback was positive.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you're, you're really like scratching an itch or you're addressing a felt need. Like every college, every Christian college students, all they care about is what does God want from me? Yep. So yep. you're addressing something from God's word about that, that they immediately are curious about. So you got that going right. for you. That's right. Yeah. Um, so you kind of mentioned you were trying to decide like if you're going to be a passionate preacher or more of a conversational, I guess the question is, well, what, what did you decide? And like, how has it been since then in your subsequent teaching and preachings, have you grown in passion and expressiveness or have you kind of found your niche in the more conversant casual?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I'm, I'm now seeing, you know, that context shapes the way that i I communicate to some degree, right? So um when I'm on a university campus and I'm doing my theology classes, you know I'll have those moments where I'm really trying to impress something upon them, and so i'll I'll be a little bit more animated. but by and large, I'm doing a dialogical sort of mode mode of engaging them I'm, I'm I'm trying to help them to be thoughtful, and so I'll slow things down at times and things along those lines. When I preach at church, um, I it, it, it all depends on what do I think this congregation needs in terms of what, what kind of like forcefulness of communication is, is needed. I'll, I'll never fake, uh, you know, sort of like a passion. I'll, I'll never do that. But in terms of like when I, when I go up there and I pray, you know, Lord, what do I want you what, what do you want me to say um, and how do you want me to say it? Um, Typically, uh, the mode of engagement is going to be, at least with my church, um, I want the, the word to land with, with a heaviness and a forcefulness. Um, because I, I think a lot of what we get during the course of our weeks is is not people impressing the word of God upon us as if the word of God is actually true. Um, and, and so I, I want the way that I preach the, the word to actually communicate in the mode of a communication that the word is hefty it has gravitas to it and so i'm, I'm still going to be warm and kind and i'll smile and all those kinds of things but i, I really wanted to land with a heaviness and so um i don't know what that means for style but it, but but it's definitely more of a it's less of a conversational didactic mode and more of a i'm impressing something upon you kind of mode
1: yeah and, well, so are there certain things that you used to do in? Let's say we're focusing on preaching here. Are there things that you used to do that you no longer do, or things that that um, took away from that gravitas, or you know, that take away the weightiness of it?
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so I I think like again, I haven't preached a ton in my life, but um, in my earlier days of pre of preaching, you know, um, I would try to like fill my sermon out with like cool things, you know, like cool quotes and, you know, yeah. like I try to fill it out, you know, cause, and, cause that's what teachers do. Like we, we fill things out. We have quotes, we have story, you know, we have stories, we have, you know, pictures, we have video, th- those kinds of things. And so I try to fill my sermon out with those things. Um, knowing that those are the kinds of things that people, you know, are, are hooked by or people w- will um, find interesting. Um, but in, in, recent days, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that at the end of the day, what people primarily need is clarity and they need clarity when it comes to like the word. And so um, trying to, you know, in a very committed way, structure the message around um, the word being the thing that transforms people, even if it's not dazzling. Still doing some of the other stuff, but but not crafting this like, this nice oration, this, this wonderful rhetorical, you know, production um but 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 really trying to give like a message from the bible and i I know it sounds like you know preaching 101 but 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 i i think you you can go into preaching thinking i want to craft something really really excellent rather than going into preaching thinking i want to communicate this with clarity so that it lands and and it's god that actually transforms through his word
1: yeah one of our like the steering committee of expositors collective uh nick katie um he he speaks about clarity over creativity that we have the desire for for creativeness and that's a good desire but only it's useful if it serves the clarity of of the message clarity is key creativity is a bonus or creativity is a tool to get towards clarity and never sacrifice clarity for the sake of being creative yeah that's well said well nick katie he's a smart guy Yep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) co-host of uh, Theology for the People podcast and Expositors Collective. So i put mm. that out there. Uh, <laughs> nice plug, good. Nice plug. I, I'm going to plug as many things as I can. Um, all right. So I I I first became uh, aware of you uh, through your recent book um, on overcoming apathy that, you know, let's plug that, that came out recently from Crossley oh. Publishing. <laughs> so I'm going to cl- plug my friends. I might as well plug your book as well, too.
0: Thank you, thank you. Uh,
1: um and and yeah and i and i enjoyed it i, I spoke this to you or I emailed it to you about this to say that you know i i recently like preached on apathy a couple weeks ago and i kind of want to like hurry up and talk to you as soon as possible before i stop caring about it but i was doing a <laughs> series on the seven deadly sins and you know one of them historically is you know is sloth um slothfulness uh mm-hmm. asedia, lack of caring and uh at kind of the last minute on actually saturday night I I changed the slideshow and changed the title of the sermon from sloth to apathy because I realized apathy is kind of, it's so much more, people understand that sloth is this cute mammal, you know, or it's this (laughs) caricature, but apathy really is the core of it. That's right. And um, so, yeah, I've just been thinking about apathy. And that's why I was so excited, ironically, when your book on apathy came out and I just devoured it so quickly. I really enjoyed it. Um, I guess maybe the question is, and we could chat about it a bit more a lot more but like what kind of prompted you to to write it because i i preached on it because it was part of a list of seven deadly sins that i had to yeah. preach on um yeah. but as far as i know you probably weren't assigned this topic to write no. about
0: yeah yeah so um i've been thinking about this book for years and years and years um uh But I didn't know how I how I'd even go about writing it or if I would ever get around to writing it. Um, The main inspiration for the book is my own my own spiritual life and the spiritual lives of those that I have spent time mentoring or just just spending spending time with. And so my own life, like when I was involved with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, you know, it's a campus ministry that's that's super committed to like sharing the gospel changing the world, you know, we had a mission statement, you know, we are here to change the world by turning lost students into Christ-centered laborers. So this, this passionate mission statement, I'm around these students and staff members that are just so passionate and I'm committed to the things that they're committed to, at least intellectually, I'm super committed to the things that they're, that, that they're committed to, but finding myself just lacking in the same sort of zeal. And so that, that just raised a question in my mind, like what the heck is going on with me and why am I so slow to get my heart where their hearts at least seem to be? So, so, so that, that was the first seed that was planted in my mind. But, but the second seed and the more recent seed is, um, yeah, you know, when I spend time with, with, with young people and, and I, I would ask them things like, you know, so how's your devotional life or how are things going in your spiritual life or whatever? Um, um, the answer would most commonly be, if, if it's not about sexual sin and, and that, kinds of, that kind of thing, it, the most common answer would be like, yeah, I just don't really feel like getting into the word or I'm just not going to church or I, I, I'm just not really into whatever. And they know in their minds, because a lot of times these are Viola students, they're, they're good Christian college students and they're really bright and good people. And so they know, they know in their hearts and minds that like, yeah, loving God is right and engaging the things of God is good but they can't get themselves around to it. And so I just wanted to explore it. So I, I approached the topic as someone who is exploring rather than someone who's landed as an expert on, on the topic.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I personally really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, um, with, with even that, that mission statement of Campus Crusade, like all of that, it, it's like it's, it's you're reaching big. So everything is like big and important. And and we would believe as Christians, like you know, we've we've stumbled upon the most important thing in the world, you know, and and everything is important. And do do you think that that's maybe a factor, or or how can we navigate with with young people or middle aged people, um, even older people, um, just dealing with like everything's important all the time, and then but yet sometimes we don't even get excited about those important things.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I I I think there's something that we we just have to like be honest and acknowledge the, the reality that if if Everything is really important, um, whether it's the, the, the things that are, that are truly important, like, you know, God and his mission and the kingdom, or the sort of trivial things that, that are made important. If, if everything's important, then everything ceases to be important. You know, like, the, you know, everything, can, everything can't be awesome, um, that, that kind of thing. And so th- there really is a sense in which, um, for right or for wrong, I, I think people are, are increasingly numbed by this inundation with the important and, and unfortunately, you know, God things fall by the wayside be, be, because of that. But, but I also think that, um, again, we have to acknowledge this as Christians that every week we go to church and we're reading the Bible and we're listening to Christian stuff, podcasts, or whatever. And so, so we are inundated with like the same message. Yes, we, we, Give different dimensions of the message in our preaching and in our teaching, but we're inundated with the same message. And so, there is a sense in which we really can be uh, numbed by just the the familiarity. You know, familiarity familiarity breeds contempt. I I think that's just true. And so, we have to own that and figure out ways to sort of like move beyond just acknowledging that to ways of, of of remedying that sort of contempt that comes from familiarity.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, today is we're recording this on a Tuesday. And on Tuesday mornings, I have a, a, a standing prayer walk uh, with my neighbor, uh, David. And um, our kids go to the same school and we go to two different churches. He's he's like a, a leader in the Anglican church and I'm a leader at a you know Calvary Chapel. And we've just kind of committed, and I, I, it's so good for my soul to just have somebody that's even outside of my own church context. And we just huh. talk and pray together. And we're just dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff these days. Um, everything is important all the time. Like as as you kind of mentioned, um, you know, we're dealing with staff resignations. Each of us, you know, um, each of us are involved in kind of European Ukrainian relief and different. You know, mm. on top of all the other important stuff that's always happening, yeah, always wow. no matter what. Wow. And we we're talking this morning, um, and he articulated it as like empathy fatigue. And yep. really praying together that, that God would help us to just keep on caring about things when it almost feels like we're just, you know, we were, we were drained and worn out, you know, a couple months ago. And then yeah. we started dealing with, you know, this latest, latest wave of crises yeah. and the kind of fighting, fighting together in prayer this morning to like keep us caring, uh, which um, I don't even know that's a question. I'm just, no. I, I <laughs> advise yeah, me, I, help I, me. How do I keep no, caring? I,
0: no, I, I I think you you and your friend put your, put your finger on. I, I think another reason for for the numbness that that we can feel it is that compassion fatigue. Right, people in helping professions feel this. Right, it's a feeling of being overwhelmed by just the realities of the world, and I can't like I can't do everything. And so so I I I think one of the issues is. Yes, there's a sense in which we're responsible to do as much as we can, given the, the the life that we have and our circumstances and our and our resources. But at the but at the at the end, at the end of the day, excuse me, we have to recognize like we are basically local people like, again, and we we can only do so much given our sort of finiteness or our finitude. And and I, I I think it's it's that sort of. I had a conversation about this this past week with with, with some friends that there's always a tension between like. The world's needs, and then the, the, the local realities, like my own life, my own family, my own church, and then my own community. And I, I can barely even handle like my own life, my own church, and my own you know family. Yeah. But then I have these other things that that, that are impressing themselves upon me. And and the question is always, Lord, what am I responsible to, or what am I responsible for? and and, and I think that, that that's a question those who find ourselves numbed by the overwhelmingness of the world's needs we really have to come back to that lord what does it mean for me to be faithful and and really realize that like we're we are primarily like responsible for our our local realities our our local um responsibilities um, and start there at least
1: well i can't wait to tell david Look, dude, just relax. <laughs> Uche says, relax. Uh,
0: no, I'm, You'd I'm, be I'm, like, who's Uche? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's, but yeah, I suppose, and there are these, again, everything is happening and people are showing up in our city at our, you know, he's going to the airport tonight. Um, like there's, there's stuff where, where uh, I'm not trying to push back or disagree, but like like, I I get it. Like there's our our local thing. And even just to think back to the early days of lockdown, kind of realizing more and more like, wow, my family, this is it, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's the importance of this. But now it's like, okay, now that that circle is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and wanting to, to again, have the, the, I don't know, the emotional and the spiritual um, wherewithal to, to know how to help without getting, burned out and then turned into just this apathetic husk of a person afterwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, the, the reality is there, there, there is going to be a tension between the global and the local. Like we're, we are responsible as Christians for the global, but oftentimes as, as individuals, we, fo- we find ourselves disproportionately being pulled to these global needs. And I'm, I'm not saying that's the case with, with, with like refugees and all, all this, all this sort of stuff that, that might literally be knocking at you your door. Sure. Um, but oftentimes I, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to a, a church member or a student and they're thinking about the world's needs. Yes, And I'm like, you haven't even like read your Bible in like a, in like a month, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and like, it's, 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 and so it, there's, there, there's, there's attending to your own house as well as attending to, uh, the larger needs and, Sometimes I wonder whether we're, we're we're overly focused on the abstract, the, the, the world outside of us, and not focused enough on the 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 immediate things that are that are within our sphere. So wow,
1: yeah, but, that's but there's, very, there's, no, there's no there's no there's no
0: formula. So anyway. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is yeah. I I got man, I got more questions. I, I want some counseling time with you, but this is a preaching podcast. So I got so okay. Yeah, so so okay. So this is I'm a preacher. You know, uh, full time. You you preach in your spare time. I'm sure you have so much. Don't you love the phrase spare time? (laughs) (laughs) You've made time to also serve your local church um, in this preaching capacity. Um, But so yeah, I, I preach almost every week and this podcast is listened to by, by preachers and we have kind of a private Facebook community. And when I talked about this upcoming interview, I said to them, like, Hey, what would you rather hear about? Would you rather hear about like the preacher growing in apathy or apathetic congregations? And most people overwhelmingly want to hear about apathetic congregations. So apparently there's a bunch of like really zealous (laughs) preachers here who never get apathetic. (laughs) I'm, I'm the only one. Um, but, uh, so what would you maybe say to, to a preacher that maybe has this frustration, maybe what what you've said, like, you know, people don't don't really care or there's this overwhelming sense of, yeah, meh or blah, um, in, in our congregations or preaching to apathetic people.
0: Yeah. I, I would say like, that the preacher really has to do the work of trying to diagnose what in the world is or are the issues, right? So um, it's really easy to to be able to, to look at a congregation and, and you're giving a stirring sermon or a stirring plea to, you know, to, to volunteer, to do, to, to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And they're not, they're not biting, you know, they're not, they're not taking it. And it's easy to just say, what the heck is wrong with these people? They, they obviously don't care about God and um, I'm doing everything I can, but our people come, our, our people are with us for like, if your, if your service is two hours in a, in a week, that's the, that's the amount of time that, that, that you're influencing them. Um, and so we, we have to be really sober-minded in terms of like, here's here's what we get of them. We get two hours or we get three hours if, if they're if they're in a, in a small group with us. Or if you we have Wednesday night Bible studies, they, they, they get a small amount of time. But the rest of their week, they're being formed. And the rest of the, the, the week, they're being formed in ways that are, are going to be completely contrary and countering the, the purposes you have in mind for them and, and, and God has in mind for them. And so then the first thing the preacher has to do is, 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 is take a step back and think, okay, so what are the various things that are warring against their souls and warring against their passion? Um, and, you know, so in, in, my book, I try to, I try to identify a handful of these things. And so, you know, for instance, like are, are people struggling with like um, post COVID feelings of just like loss and grief and sadness that, that needs to be addressed because it, it's not a small thing. Are people wrestling with, with real doubt? Because Christians never talk about that. Are people wrestling with the, the reality of, of I am so inundated, like, like we said a few moments ago, by trivial things? I'm, I'm, I'm immersed in, in garbage all week and media opinions all week. And, and so I, I come to church formed um, and really excited about those kinds of things, but like God doesn't really seem as exciting as the latest celebrity slap in the face or, or whatever it is. You right. know what I mean? Like, and, and so we have to be able to like, at least at the, at the very beginning, s- step back and try to diagnose um, what's, what's at play, what, what's, 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 t- what's taking away from, it, from our people's passion.
1: Yeah. And funny enough, what kind of the advice that you're giving, it just reminds me of that very first sermon you ever preached, you know, where you spoke to those college students about something they really cared about. Yeah. And, you know, gave them answers from God's word, you know, mm-hmm. or desiringgod.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, but like yeah. you're talking to them, there's probably not a person that heard you in that first message that would be like, I don't really care about God's will for my life. You know, um, there is the assumption that they do. And so you're talking to them about something that matters.
0: That's right.
1: So it sounds like, are you saying to the the preachers that are listening that like, to to do what we can to address the real pressing issues in people's lives, and that, that and to show them that this is invaluable.
0: Yeah, I I, I think we have to right. So like, I, I find in 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 some circles, you know, circles that are that are committed to expository preaching, there, there there's a weird sort of equating of expository preaching means book by book by book going through the Bible kind of preaching, and and that's that's super valuable. But that's not what expository preaching is by definition. Expository is, is, is effectively, I allow the Bible to be the main thing dictating what I'm saying to you. And so I'm trying to explain and exposit the text of scripture. But we can do that in ways that actually address real human beings and real human beings where they're actually at, rather than assuming that people are gonna connect the dots and, and, and go from like the sermon that's really meaningful about love or about you know service or whatever, and like connect the dots to like what's going on in their souls. People by and large can, cannot connect dots. And so we have to be the ones to connect dots. And we can't assume too much. And I think we oftentimes assume that, that people are able to do all this, all this, this sort of soul work and connect the Bible to their lives. I'm convinced that people can't do that as easily as we think they can. And so we have to do, we have to do that work, but we can do it expositorily, so to speak. Right. Um, And not just, not just, you know, have felt need uh, sermons that are, that are, that are, that are, you know, cheap and thin, but we can have deep and rich expository felt need sermons.
1: Oh man. Oh man. Amen. That's, that's awesome. I, I love, I love hearing that. And yeah, so it's when I, when I started preaching, yeah, it was just like, Almost every single sermon ended with this, you know, and, and now may the Holy Spirit apply this to our hearts, you know, or then I kind of pray like, you know, and God just kind of show people how this works, you know, and kind of realize like, wait a minute, like that's my job, (laughs) you know, that's the preacher's job. I think obviously not apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit, but essentially that prayer now Holy Spirit apply this to their hearts. Like I should be praying that throughout the week. To see how this text does and then yeah. show that in such a way that there's, you know, if somebody is apathetic or unengaged during it, it's almost like they're consciously choosing to or trying to, because there is, I think, the work of the preacher to kind of like arrest people and be like, you know, instead of just shouting, this is important, this is important. You just right. show, let me show you why this is important and how this yeah. interacts with your, you know, real life. Don't you want to hear what God yeah. says about this?
0: Yeah, I I think my the most frustrating sermons for me have been the ones where the preacher says, "Man, if you only understood how good this is, you would." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that's not getting me very far. So like, so so you have to recognize that like I'm not there. And so then, wh- how can you help me even incrementally in this sermon or in your application points or whatever? How can you help me move beyond whatever the heck is holding me back? How, how can you help me have a little bit more insight to understand what, what, what's there so as to unlock the issue yeah. um, r- rather than just saying, well, you you would, if, if you would be passionate if you were passionate, it's like, well, that's completely unhelpful.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, let's say as the, the congregation member, the, the hearer of that sermon, like well you're not excited about it nearly as much as as the preacher is because you haven't spent 8 hours thinking about it <laughs> that's right. and there yeah oftentimes yeah. there is an enthusiasm that that's a growing one or even an insight that grows yeah. you know obviously that comes from like sitting thinking praying researching and then from that then comes then enthusiasm and right. again then a you know 30 minute or a 40 minute sermon is an attempt anyway, to help people see some of what you've seen, but you should never shame someone for not seeing it the first time yeah. they're interacting with it. Cause it took the that's preacher right. all week to, to see that's what right. they're seeing. That's right. So uh, yeah, that's, that is, that is great. So now, okay. Many people listening to this podcast are, are excited to hear you talk about expository preaching, but then a little bit nervous. Cause you said it's not about going book by book, chapter by chapter. Um, is there a way to do that? let's say that classic uh, way or means that a lot of people um, uh, are preaching, at least listeners to this show, um, how can someone even go chapter by chapter through something, but yet um, addressing the actual needs of the people uh, through sequential exposition?
0: Yeah, so there are a couple issues, I think. Um, One is, is it takes a lot of skill and work to be able to, um, while being faithful to the actual text before you, address real-time real needs of the people in your congregation. Hmm. So, so, so sometimes what, what ends up happening is when we do these book-by-book book things, um, so let's say we're doing Ephesians, whatever. And we're going through Ephesians, you know, section by section, um, and the person is going to be faithful to preach the main ideas of Ephesians. Now it may just be that the main ideas of Ephesians, um, are not addressing one or two really key heart issues or, or congregational issues or whatever. And so then how is the preacher going to get there? Um, if, if that's the pressing need of the day, how, how will the preacher get, be able to address that pressing need? Um, I, I think it takes a measure of like, and this is going to sound absolutely horrible. It takes a measure of being able to see how a text that isn't directly addressing the need mm-hmm. is at the same time really addressing the need. So, so th- that takes skill. But, but, but a second issue, I, th- I think, is, is preachers need to be able to feel the freedom to, when they do the exposition, to, to not literally preach the whole text in the sense that I'm not just plotting point by point but I'm, I'm trying to like make a point uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to make a point that's really there in the text, but I'm angling the text towards a real need. Hmm. And so it's, it's, hmm. it's, it's not, it's not just plotting plotting plotting. Preaching is, is great if you're, if you're trying to give people a sense of like the whole Bible or whatever, yeah. but, but, but I take preaching to be more than just giving people a sense of the whole Bible um, in, in, you know, in, in a, in a plotting step-by-step way. It's, it's, it's trying to impress upon the people a word from the Lord and that word from the Lord is not going to be the, the five or six things. One, one section of scripture could be saying, it's, it's really trying to like focus it, recognizing the the, the finitude and the frailty of people focusing it and trying to address something through, through a faithful exposition, but, not, but not a plotting exposition. And so, and so I guess what I was getting at with, it's not about book by book is I, I, I would love for us to not see exposit- exposition as, as plotting you know, explanations of, of every single little bit, but as, as a, as a focused reading of, of God's word right. for the people of God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and that say that the goal for preaching isn't to complete Ephesians, but the right. goal is to uh, And actually hadn't hadn't Robinson said this. He says like the um, he's like, people don't come to church to hear you talk about the Bible People come to church to hear you talk about themselves using the Bible. And when I when I first kind of heard that, I was like, ah, I don't know, I'm not so sure. But but like, but no, it's it's using the Bible to address the the concerns and the the pain or the hopes or the joys of the people. And of course, we want to accurately handle it and and you know the main point of Jeremiah comes across and, and whatever, but yet it's 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 an encounter between uh the Lord and his people, uh, almost, you know, mediated or via uh the 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 living word that is being preached and obviously the incarnate word who's present among us, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a culture shift, but I think yeah. it's a good one.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: And so these are some of the ways you think that a preacher can break through the apathy. Um, again, not by shouting louder or not by insisting that what they're saying is important, but uh, essentially showing rather than telling the importance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this before. You, you, you're a preacher, like you, you got to exegete the people and you got to exegete the text. You, you got to do both. And, it, and, and a, and a lot of times we, we just think if I, if I can do a minimal exegesis of the people, I kind of know that they're there and they have faces and they have needs or whatever. And then I, but I really do a great job on the exegesis of the text. I've done my work. And it's like, no, no, no. Like if, if you want, if you want the word to actually like ha- bear fruit, not just on the Sunday morning event, but like ongoingly bear fruit throughout the course of a week. Then you really need to like understand what's going on yeah. um, in in the in the lives and the hearts of these people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So most of the people want to hear about preaching to apathetic people. But I mean, any thoughts on the apathetic preacher? So what if the preacher is like, I don't really care that much, or or um, yeah, uh, for a preacher going through a, a period of um, let's say burnout. Um, you, uh, I don't want to get into the distinction between apathy and, and um, depression, which is a very complicated thing. I just want to acknowledge there is a, there is a distinction. Um, and maybe you could point people towards another podcast or something, or we could link in the show notes to like a more careful distinction between those things. But for the, the preacher that's struggling to care, uh, do you have a, a brief word for the preacher who's maybe apathetic?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the preacher is on one level, um, just another sheep in, in, in the same way that you know, there, I, I know, I know, preachers tend to tend to see themselves as we we are, you know, we are the shepherds um, over over sheep. But preachers are sheep, and so the, the, there's there's a sense in which the, the very same things that that others need um, to sort of break out of their apathy, we need. But there but there are but there are certain things that um, I think preachers are more are more prone to. So I, I I think preachers, if they're honest, they can be more prone to the the compassion fatigue that we mentioned earlier, and, and the and the sort of like. Um, apathy through basically constant, constantly saying the same kinds of things, and and kind of getting cold and numb to the to saying the same old kinds of things. And so preachers have to be extra vigilant to to, to try to um, keep themselves in in relationship with actual people that they're able to to, to own their indifference to, and it's and it's embarrassing for for a preacher or for me as a as a as a, the, as a theology teacher to ever own that I I don't care as much about the things that I'm actually that are actually coming out of my mouth right now. I can pretend like I am, but I need I need a safe place to be able to say to someone like I don't or I'm struggling with doubt. And I'm really dealing with doubt and and I and I need someone to like walk with me and pray with me and help me to process my doubt. And so and so I I I think preachers because they and pastors because they tend to be isolated so much from like um, relationships or relationships that feel like equal relationships. Right. I think we have to, we have, we have to press into those because that's the place where, where we can actually like lay bare before someone. Here's what's actually going on. Here are the causes of my indifference. Can you walk with me and pray with me and work with me and hold me really actually accountable in, in these areas so that I don't, I don't sort of stay in this place of indifference and apathy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys, you all need a, a David, to to go on a walk with on Tuesday mornings and talk about your 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 empathy fatigue and that's right yeah I'm I'm so thankful for that and it's a it's a very valuable thing and on the one hand I I kind of even said oh it's a treat that he's part of another church you know and and that's like an added bonus yeah but if it's only ever outside of your own community. And and of course there's, there's complex and there's layers and there's various things having to do with like, if it's your boss or there's, but I think there's a value in that David goes to a different church. But if I only ever am honest to people that don't, that are not part of my worshiping community, that's valuable. So that's, that's, that's dangerous as well. I agree.
0: Yeah. And it's,
1: and it's it's all the
0: more isolating um, if if uh, the only community yeah. you're able to have is yeah. outside of the community that you that, that you love and serve that's all the more isolating and all the more um, exacerbating of the very thing you're, you you're trying to avoid which is basically like um, feeling like I'm giving and giving and giving and giving and, and I'm never getting um, that 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 can lead to the same sort of empathy or compassion uh, fatigue so yeah
1: uh I, I think the problem is you're talking about real, real issues. And, and here's the thing, you're also really articulate. <laughs> so you're really, you're really uh, even awakening things in me. That's like, oh, yeah, oh, I think I'm doing fine, but am I really doing fine? So <laughs> thankfully yeah. your book also talks about ways out of it. And yeah. I, I I kind of appreciated too, that, you know, there's not, um, there's no real secrets, you know, like you're just talking about like, well, you know, it's like, the same spiritual disciplines that have sustained the church for the past 2000 years. This yeah. is what you need. And yeah. I, I do appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. Hope I haven't hurt book sales by giving away. Uh, this. <laughs> 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 but there's no, certainly more, more to it than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I, I have the last question coming up, uh, but maybe it's kind of a, before that I kind of jotted down a quote that, um, that I did, that I did like. Um, you talk about that apathy causes us to be kind of like numb to the meaningful things in life and then alive to, to the trivial. And I really appreciated the way that you put that. It reminded me of a recent uh, discipleship group that I was leading. Uh, you know, it's it's some guys in their 20s we We're talking through some stuff. Uh, you know, we have kind of our curriculum we talk through and then ended in prayer. And then, you know, kind of, that kind of like post prayer moment where like you, you say amen and then Kind of the quietness, and then it's like who's gonna be the first person to talk? Yeah, and then someone and it was a good, a good time. And then someone said, Hey, have you guys seen the new Batman movie? And then all of a sudden it was like, Yes, oh, isn't this car cool and this and yep. that? And isn't Nirvana a great band? Yep. <laughs> all this, yep. all this stuff. And and I participated in that too. Yep. I was also excited to talk about, you know, the Nirvana song and all that, you know. And then yep. and then just kind of realizing, like, okay, we, we were talking about Really important stuff for the past hour and a half. Yeah, and as soon as we kind of park that or finish that, and then talk about the Batman movie, um, turns out we have deep wells of enthusiasm that we we weren't tapping into about the the other stuff. That's right. And when I when I read that line, I was like, oh, that reminded me of you know <laughs> the other night at so and so's house. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's what I was what I'm trying to pinpoint in the book that like apathy is really selective. It's just selective. And, you know, so, so when you think about things like depression, you know, um, my wife and I were talking about this last night, and we, we, we have this friend of ours who, who, who I, I think struggles with it. And um, apathy tends to to, to to really be like this all pervasive kind of thing that like, it, it affects everything. You don't have, sorry, depression affects everything. Okay, you, don't, you, don't yeah. really, you don't really want to be a part of anything. You, all you want to do is numb everything. Um, and just survive. Yeah. Um, apathy is, well, I'm excited about Manchester United. I'm excited about the Batman movie. I'm excited about my girlfriend. I'm excited about video games. I'm excited about everything. God. Uh, and that's the, that's the bizarre part of it. Like that's the bizarre part of it. We, we, we have a God who is real and who loves us. Um, and who's given us everything. And yet he, he just feels like, it just feels like he's not anywhere near as exciting as, as Batman or, or the latest Marvel movie. And, and so Again, we can just bemoan that, or we could try to, or we could try to s- sort of understand. Like, so what is it about the Batman or you know, the Batman movie or whatever that, that, that's exciting us? It, it could be that we're just totally carnal people and all we care about is trivial things. That, that that's a very live option, but it could also be that there there might be ways that these stories, whether it's you know stories that we're binging on on Netflix or a Bat- Batman movie, there are there are ways that these stories are engaging us. Um, and so it might be that we need different ways of engaging, ch- engaging our people. And, and this may not just be in the sermon, but like in, just in overall church life, ways of engaging our people's imag- people's imaginations, or it could just be recognizing that there is a, there just is a difference between passive entertainment and what we're asking our people to do and just recognizing that, that they're different. And of course, if someone's not asking me to do anything, like a movie's not asking me to do anything other than sit there and, and enjoy it obviously people are going to be more excited about the things that don't require a single darn thing from them versus the things that seem to require like your heart, right? like your, your heart and your actions and your discipline. And so we just need to recognize that, that, that there may be just two different kinds of things. Be okay with that, but then say, okay, like how can I call my people out of just pass- passive entertainment sort of culture? How can I call them out of that and, and show them like the, the goodness of what comes from, a disciplined life or, or a life that is at least trying to engage God faithfully. But I, I don't think we oftentimes give people positive examples of like a life well lived in real, in, 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 in real time. We, we might read a Hudson Taylor biography or a Jonathan Edwards biography, but, but we won't give like real time examples because we, hmm. we think that, that that seems less than genuine hmm. and less than real. Whereas like, no, it's, it's equally authentic to be struggling as it is to be like really enjoying, actually enjoying God in our lives. And so we, we need to be able to present those examples and say that is fruit of a life lived intentionally and lived in a disciplined way. And this is really good. But we oftentimes don't, don't, don't do that. And I don't know why we don't do that, but we don't do it. And so I have no solutions, but those are just a couple of things that come to mind.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I do, I do appreciate that. and I'm, I'm aware of the time right now and I want to just ask our, our final question. Um, sure. So yeah, th- thank you for this. Um, so in your, let's say focusing on, on, on the preaching thing, yeah. Um, what is something you're currently trying to improve in? Is there an area that you want to get better at this year?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I hinted at it earlier in our time. Like I, I, I want to be better at um, allowing scripture to anchor the message that I'm giving and really allowing um, the listeners to hear God in what I'm saying and be less, less wowed by Uche, the preacher. Because that, that, that desire is, is, is something I, I, I fight off Every time I, every time I prepare a message, it's, 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 it's really not, I know it's not about me, but I have to, I have to constantly be praying, Lord, help them to be able to hear you from the word. And so my responsibility there then is to not clutter, not clutter the sermon with, with ingenuity, Hmm. um, but to but to really but to really allow the word to speak, and so th- th- this is back to what you said earlier that, that 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 your that your your colleague mentioned about creativity and clarity. And I, I'm really trying to lean very heavily into the into the clarity piece and dial down the creativity piece for the sake of creativity.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been. Yeah. I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. Where can people um, find the book? And then also like where can people listen to these sermons of yours?
0: Well, I don't know if I want people listening to my sermons, but um, they could, they could, if they wanted to. Um, uh, sermons are on redemptionhc.com. I think my, my church is called Redemption Hill Church in Whittier, California. So y- y- you can look up my sermons there. Um, there should be a handful of them there. Um, the book can be, can be found on Amazon, all the various Amazon um, platforms or crossway.org. org.
1: Wonderful. Well, thanks very much. And as I always say, I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Maybe you noticed this, but Uche and I did briefly mention that there is a distinction between spiritual apathy and then mental illness, or physical depression. And neither of us claim to be experts in that area. But in in the show notes, uh, there's gonna be a link to an interview that I did with Wesley Town last year on the subject of mental health, um, as well as a link to Wesley's ministry called Better Days, which is a nonprofit seeking to bring hope and awareness and education to the human experience of mental health and suffering from a biblically informed point of view. So I'd I'd point you towards uh, better days for a more nuanced and educated uh, take on the topic of depression or mental illness. And then secondly, uh, Uche spoke about the importance of addressing the actual questions of our congregations not merely focusing on felt needs, of course, but beginning with points of contact and then moving into deeper and more substantial needs. And guys, that's actually the focus of next week's whole episode. I talk with Nick Cady about an apologetically oriented evangelistic series that he did based on the actual questions of those within his community so i'm going to leave you with a teaser for next tuesday's episode and i hope that this episode and all that we do at the expositors collective help you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of god's word here's nick katie
2: that's part of our story with how we did it. We wanted to know what are people actually struggling with? And so here's how we went about it. We set up an online poll. It was anonymous and it asked the question, um, finish the, or complete this sentence. And the sentence was, I could never believe in a God who fill in the blank. And then, uh, beyond that, we asked another question. Do you consider yourself a Christian? That so it was two questions completely anonymous Google form. And then we publish that and I put it on uh, my my own website. I put it on to uh, put it out to the whole church and we encourage people, share this with your friends and ask them to fill this in. So we got several hundred responses and uh, we even put it out on the radio and things like that. And so that was what was perhaps most interesting about this is that I wanted to make sure that we weren't just having insular conversations, um, which I think sometimes happens in the church. I want to make sure we're actually answering people's questions. What I found is it was probably split about 50-50 as far as who responded, whether they considered themselves a Christian or not. And I think that's really important that we realize that, that there are people sitting in your pews or chairs, whatever you use, if you are a church leader, who, yeah, they're there, but there's a struggle inside of them that says, I want to believe, I'm down with this, but... I really struggle with understanding, like, how can I actually believe in a God who suppresses women and minorities or who encourages that? Um, And they're really struggling. That's the thing. And some of them, I would say they're struggling probably more than you even realize. And so giving them the opportunity to express that and then respond in a thoughtful way, I think is a huge gift to your congregation.